0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As it says at the top, this is Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports, doing an extreme late-night edition of the podcast. The MLB draft is tomorrow, which means I am neck-deep in writing. Focused entirely on the draft. Uh, didn't watch the Indians at all this weekend, to be perfectly honest. And based on box scores, I didn't miss much. With the draft less than 24 hours away, uh, I'm finishing up my top 101. I'll have a mock-up tomorrow as well. Just kind of getting everything settled in. For those who have not followed me before or read my stuff, I review every single pick on day uh, one of the draft. After this, I then will have a best available, and I will do a, day, a round three mock draft. So those are all things to look forward to. All None of it is behind a paywall. That is for everyone out there to read and enjoy. <sighs> Today's show, uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on the Indians' performance this weekend. I'm going to talk about a few players, a few uh, choices being made, a few things that stood out as I went through the boxes but uh, the majority I'm going to just talk draft talk about things I'm hearing where things are going, how I think the Indians are going to uh, play things out this is your reminder to uh, you can listen to locked on Indians every day on your commute on the Himalaya app, Google Play iTunes, subscribing, rating, and reviewing that's all some stuff that is extremely helpful for our ever-growing show. So the Indians struggled facing the White Sox this weekend. Um, Go figure, they beat the Red Sox, and they cannot beat the White Sox. The overall feeling, I think, is, uh, you know, I was very uh, uplifted after the Red Sox series. I will say, going through stuff, uh, Greg Allen is continuing to hit better and to improve. I mean, it was hard to get worse, but he's getting on base in every single game, and that's great to see because the Indians have such a dearth of outfielders. They need someone who can step up and help that group. Um, Leonis Martin is really coming apart at the seams. Uh, There's just not a lot of options in place. Jordan Leplow is cooling off a bit. I mean, he wasn't going to continue to be Babe Ruth against lefties all year long. That just wasn't going to continue, but he's still a solid performer. At this point, when you look at the statistical performance of the Indians hitters one player kind of stands out as being near the bottom in nearly every category. And if he's not at the bottom, he is second or third from the bottom. And that is Jason Kipnis. Now, at the same time, Tito still had him hitting fourth today. There's really, I mean, his refusal to play anyone else. And I mean, yes, are there a lot of great options there? No, but is Kipnis a good option? Not at all. Um, kipnis should never face a lefty if you can avoid it they i it's a flawed roster that was constructed badly and the indians thought their pitching would carry the day their pitchers have been hurt and their offense hasn't been as good as as was hoped i mean jose ramirez shows some signs of life and then he falls back apart again i mean when you have a guy who goes from mvp candidate to uh below replacement level that's a i mean that's something very few teams can recover from and when you're a small market team without the funds to compete you really can't have that occur so it's it's gonna continue to be an up and down frustrating year uh zach plisak's performance today after his performance last week has to give a lot of hope to fans Uh, Also shows how silly pitcher wins and losses are when you go seven innings, giving up one earned run on four hits and you pick up the loss because your offense can't put anything together. But with Plesak pitching well, with Rodriguez being okay, Clevenger is going to be eligible to come off the disabled list in the next week. It'll be interesting to see what they go with from there, which player I would think they could be setting up for a situation where – Rodriguez shifts to the pen and they keep Plesak and as a starter because he has to be viewed as more your priority prospect at this point. He's got a better ceiling or upside as a starter. And, you know, they're carrying three lefties right now with the promotion of Smith after the, uh, you know, Smith went down when Plesak was called up and then Otero went on the disabled list with inflammation and Smith came back up. Uh, depending on when Otero comes off, you uh, shifting Rodriguez around that that there's a lot of logic in that Um, he has experience working out of the pen he was shifted to a pen arm for the Nationals so it's just something to keep in mind to consider for the Indians going forward and something that they could be looking at now the pitching has still been one of the strengths of this team this year and I'll just keep harping on a uh, I hope Trevor Bauer plays really well and they can figure out a trade to to maybe play for a wild card this year and stay in this the next two years this year next year are their window at the end of these years they got a lot of hard choices a lot of pieces are going to be coming off the books a lot of players going away they traded away a lot of talent in the minors and frankly the other players just have not uh been successful you know the high picks will benson uh it has not gone well there You go to some of those other guys that, you know, Mike Pappy was a first rounder. Uh, You know, Bradley Zimmer can't stay healthy. They've just not been successful with those picks. And at this point, you know, they they don't have, they have a lot of depth and there's a lot of interesting players. Daniel Johnson got that promotion and it has been really interesting in general, seeing how aggressively they are promoting players. The other day I was looking at my, uh, I get an email when Akron has roster changes and seeing, you know, you can see who's priority and who isn't because they go up to triple a and they stay there or you know they go up and unless there's a reason they stay there the guys who get you know david spear was up there and now he's back down and I can't think who the other arm was it's like those are your organizational depth guys there's uh ben krauth who hadn't even been in akron a full year and rob kaminsky was working his way back from injury who got the the push-up and They're going to continue being aggressive in these promotions, and I'm curious to see uh, how they go about it. Do they trade Bauer? I think there's a world where they could trade Bauer and Brad Hand in the right setting if they feel comfortable with some of the young kids. I will be curious to see what happens with the Indians and the roster going forward based on, uh, you know, Zach Meisel had a great tweet today that they are, half a game closer to the worst record in the American League than they are to the lead in their division. Um, At this point, if you think they're going to make the playoffs, you have to be projecting a massive collapse by the Twins or that they're going to get it together and get a wild card spot, Um, both of which are difficult to project at this point in time. And I believe even places like Fangraphs and stuff, it's the Indians make the postseason under 50% of the time. We are now at that point. Our sponsors are Hotels.com. I have recommended them before. Uh, Their model is save you money, so you'll go back and keep using their service, which allows their service to exist. They're going to save you time and money. And by saving you time and money, they ensure that you'll continue to use their service. I use the service. It's uh, really, you know, I'm lazy. It's great for the lazy person. Type in your info. It gives you those returns, and it's going to help you find the best deal possible. Hotels.com. Our other sponsor is Blue Chew. Uh, Blue Chew is the little chewable little blue pill with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. It's, since it's chewable, it gets in your bloodstream quicker. So uh, when you want to when you want to use it, it's going to be uh, quicker than the other um, options you have out there. Now, our our special deal is that uh, if you go to bluechew.com and use the promo code MLB you can get a free trial. Now, you're going to have to pay the 5 bucks for shipping, but that's, that's 5 bucks. You can try it. It'll come discreetly mailed to your house. And if you've always been curious about what's it like, what's it going to do, this is your chance. It's $5. You can't get hardly anything for $5. Um, you know, I guess I've said it many times. I've been hearing about little blue pills my entire life, it feels like. Here is the chance for you to go out and try it if you have ever been curious. Before we return, I again want to remind everyone to rate and review us, to subscribe on the Himalaya app, on iTunes, on Google Play. Uh, All of that is super important for the future of this show. So, as I've stated many times, because it is my focus as a writer, um, the MLB draft is Monday night. It is one of the worst drafts in recent memory. There is Aldi Rushman at the top, who is probably the best draft prospect since Bryce Harper. Um, He is just my second, uh, you know, June to June, number one overall pick since Harper. The other was Casey Mize a year ago, who I was much higher on than the field. Uh, Rushman just does it all, and he has a chance to be—it's a bat that would play anywhere— but he does it while being an above-average defender, at catcher. It's, uh, it's a rare profile to find. Catchers are extremely hard in general to get. It is the rarest commodity in baseball. Uh, you know, I talked about before how they could look at things uh, if they did decide to go another way that wasn't Rushman. I think that'd be a mistake. I think he's just too special of a player to pass on. Uh, the Royals look to be uh, going for Bobby Witt no matter what. He's the, uh, you know, it's kind of back to when they built the team and they took Hosmer and Mustakis and went with all that prep talent early. And after that, uh, a lot of conflicting things at the White Sox. So that's where it uh, starts to unravel in terms of what we know. The Indians are picking uh, in the early 20s. And uh, the most common mock for them is Michael Bush, the outfielder from UNC. I don't see that at all. Um, yes, there's a point in time when the Indians seem to target undersized talent. That is Bush. The Indians do not typically go for edge talent early. They go for players who are currently up the middle. When they drafted Nolan Jones, for instance, he was a shortstop. Um, he moved outside. When you look at some of the other players they've drafted, they're typically someone who is currently playing in up the middle position who, yes, they might have to move off the position, but they have been focused on players who are currently up the middle performers bush is a first baseman he's a guy without a position he uh he hits and he has power but he doesn't have much else and he just he doesn't fit their profile the indians like these cold weather bats um it's funny because in about uh 2011 you know that's when they took lindor and we started to see this shift towards prep talent early But people still stick to this old motto, oh, the Indians are conservative. They're going to go with college talent. But they've eschewed that for the most part. Yes, there's been the Bradley Zimmers and the Mike Pappies early. But uh, the last few years, it's been prep, prep, and more prep. Last year, they had three picks in the first round, basically. And they went with two prep pitchers and a prep catcher. Uh, The riskiest positions you can draft are prep pitcher and prep catcher. Uh, They roll the dice and michael bush is not a roll the dice type of guy he's a limited upside player Uh, i think some of that is because of we're seeing that bush pick so much the indians because the college depth is really good in this class um bush is one of those guys that some people think should be a top 15 top 20 prospect in this class and well you know the indians don't have outfield depth in their system i'll slot him in there but it just doesn't fit. I do think the most likely thing is going to be one of the prep middle infielders. Um, Gunnar Henderson makes some sense. Uh, Kyren Paris makes some sense. Uh, Brooks Lee makes some sense. I, I don't know if I have a great feel on them this year. Um, they've played things a little bit closer to the vest than in years past. Not that they ever, and very little gets out on them. Mocks to them are almost universally always wrong. No one gets picks right. It's no one really knows for sure where they're going. They're not a team that's going to project or uh, let things leak. So we'll we'll wait and see. But I would be, you know, if college talent slid to them, like what happened when Bradley Zimmer fell, uh, I could absolutely see them going in that direction. I just don't think Michael Bush is really a slide at that point uh Cameron Meisner would not be a slide like if Josh Jung got to them that's someone that maybe they consider because he shouldn't be there if a, a Bryson Stott fell to them I think they'd be doing cartwheels you might be thinking oh that's crazy those guys will never get there I mean a year ago this time you'd have thought it's crazy when Bryce Tarang fell right into that range uh to the Brewers when Trevor Larnock fell about that range the Twins a year ago Even Ryan Rolson sliding to the Rockies. There's always some surprises. Uh, Gabriel Rodriguez to the Orioles was a big surprise at 10. And there's a few guys who jump up like that who push talent down. So it'll be interesting to see. Round two, I'm almost 100% convinced they'll go with prep talent again. Just because there are so many 17-year-old kids, high-ceiling guys, cold-weather bats who fit their profile. If it's Dason Brown, the outfielder from Canada who's 17, and a super twitchy athlete if it's Trajan Fletcher who has some offensive comparisons to Bobby Witt but uh, is an 18 year old uh, kid from Maine who's a Vanderbilt commit Uh, you know those guys stand out as potential day two uh, second round selections I've mentioned them before it's it's going to be interesting to see how the Indians go about this they've built up a lot of depth in the lowest levels of the minors and they used a lot of that to acquire the marginal talent that they tried to add this year um and so far outside of Low none of it has been successful but they have a lot of talent in the lower minors and once mahoning valley gets started hopefully we'll see some of those players get pushed up the system and playing there but they you know all of those guys should be moving up so there should be again if you draft a bunch of college guys then you're going to expect them to go to Mahoning Valley and play, but they already have a good chunk of guys that want to go there. And that's, you never draft for need, but you do look at your organization and go, I may not have an everyday spot for this kid right away. Do I, you know, maybe if play, and players are very similar in grades. You're going to look across things and you probably have about three guys at every pick that are going to be about the same value. So that, that can be a differentiator. So the Indians' overall depth means that likely heading into tomorrow, tomorrow, the two players that we are going to add to these minor leagues, um, the the first rounder I think will probably slot into their top ten prospects, especially with the, the Torres injury opening some spots in there. And the second round pick also has the potential to at least be in the top 15 for the Indians who have also graduated out some talent this year and had some other guys underperform. So it's, uh, you know, the draft is extremely important for the Cleveland Indians. They can't spend in free agency. They're cutting money all over the place. But they've always been one of the big spenders in the draft. They go over. This is where they invest money. Um, You know, there are teams that refuse to pay the penalty and go uh, up to the, you know, 4.99% over. The Indians always go up to just about the max they can spend because they know this is where they're going to get the talent for the future. And this is where they have to cash in. And the core of this team was built through successful drafts. The unfortunate nature of the draft is almost no team can stay consistently good at doing it. Um, The Cardinals were, when they had those World Series runs, better than anyone. And they were well known for how well they drafted. Since then, they've been awful. You know, the Indians had that really good run that built this current core. But since then, the early picks have really not panned out. And in particular, the Indians in the second round, I mean, they would be better off just not even picking guys with the success rate they've had in round two it's for whatever reason basically outside of jason kipnis and albert bell the second round has been just a um a dead place for the indians uh producing some of the worst picks in team history so you know we'll see who they take in second round and curse this year Uh, not always the case we'll have to see current indians top prospect nolan jones was a second round pick maybe he'll be the you know the next really good performer for the indians Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening, rating, reviewing, uh, using the Himalaya app, uh, iTunes, Google Play. That's hugely important. Tomorrow's show will be more draft talk. Um, We'll see if it's before after during the draft. I have not decided yet. We'll have to see how tired I am. Uh, It's currently 2 in the morning here in Ohio, so I'm going to sign off for the evening. Thank you for listening, and as always, go Tribe!